The Beatitudes have been called the kingdom principles. Kingdom principles. Jesus was presenting and did present the kingdom of God to the children of Israel as their Messiah. He presented himself to them as their Messiah. He had a forerunner, which was John the Baptist, prophesied in Malachi. He said, if you would, this is Elijah that was to come. But they didn't believe. And they rejected, the Bible says in John, he came into his own, and his own received him not. But to his men, something ain't right. I can hear myself. I can hear myself. Hello? But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. He came to his own, his own received him not. So, it made it clear, go back there and help them boys. It made it clear that he presented himself. And the kingdom principles, I believe, was his, as their king, he was presenting the principles of the kingdom. By the way, all of that was put aside when they rejected him and crucified him. Because he didn't fulfill it. He was crucified as a criminal. And it, yet it remains that Jesus is coming back as a king to Israel. And he's going to sit on the throne of his father David, lineage of his father David. And he is going to rule the children of Israel, they, the 12 tribes, will eventually possess the land that they always were promised to have and never received. They will get it. Do you know what I learned about? I've learned something about God. Every word of God will be fulfilled. Every word of God will be fulfilled. There's no part of the Bible not going to be fulfilled. And so we read some things in, in the Beatitudes that knock our socks off. One of them we read here, I'm going to start in verse 17. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle, that is a period and a crossing of a T in our, in our vernacular, shall in no wise pass from the law till all, how much? Not one word of God will fall to the ground. Be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them shall the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And this is our text, verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mama. That's some tough talk. You understand he brought before them some of the most righteous people of their day. The scribes were a disciplined group of people. 
they had responsibility for copying the law. The Masoretic scribes were notorious for their discipline and detail. Thank God for it. The Pharisees were known, famous. It has been said the Pharisees, many of them had memorized the entire 39 books, as we would call it, of the Old Testament. They were gifted people, many of them, intellectually gifted. And they had risen by this time, 400 years of silence, brought them to a place from the book of Malachi in 435 now to Jesus where they were a ruling party of the land. They ruled, they co-ruled with a group called the Sadducees, which were liberals. And isn't it even true today that the conservatives and liberals govern together? We have in our country. And the conservatives were the Pharisees, and the liberals were the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in anything. They didn't believe in the miracles of the Bible. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. Pharisees believed all that. They were, they were I'm not going to call them fundamentalists. There were fundamentalists among them. There were some among them that believed. By the way, it says later, after Jesus was resurrected and ascended, that many of the Pharisees believed. There were people out saved. There were some fundamentalist Bible believers among them that got, that got saved after the whole thing came clear to them. But I, I, am, I want to stop and say, accept your righteousness this morning. Exceed the righteousness of these Pharisees. These guys were the ones who went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday, RU, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And they memorized the scriptures. They had the Bible in their head. They were talking about the Bible, walking with the Bible. Their, their conversation was full of God. And the local people said, these people, whew, these are the righteous folks. Jesus must have simply knocked their socks off. When he said, now remember who he, I must describe who Jesus was to them. Here this guy from a horrible place called Nazareth, which even Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now Nazareth was a crummy town with crummy people. I mean, that's the way they thought about it. And it was in that area of Galilee where the Gentiles and the Jews kind of mixed together and even some Samaritans, which were half Jew, half Gentile, mixed together. And they weren't from the southern part, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, which was the purists of the group. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, scribes. You're not going to make it. There won't even be an exception. He said, in no case will you make it. All I can tell you, that got my interest, and let's spend some time there. No one gets in heaven or to God without exceeding righteousness. That's what that tells me. You're going to have to have better righteousness than these highly disciplined individuals and highly dedicated, outwardly at least, to what they were and who they were. You're going to have to be better than that. Most of you throw your hands up right now and say, that ain't going to happen. And that's probably what everybody in the crowd did when Jesus said that verse in verse 520. They probably went, well then, 
There is no hope for us. You know, we don't have the intellect they have. We don't have the position they have. We don't have the, we don't have the dedication they have. We don't have the discipline they have. Oh my, there's no hope for us to ever get in heaven. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many here, by raised hand before God, would like to go to heaven? I didn't look to see if you didn't raise your hand, because if you didn't, you need to check your pulse. Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? What's the opposite of heaven is hell. Nobody want to go there. It's right, right mind. I won't go to hell. Party with my friends. You're not going to party, and your friends will be there probably, but you're never going to see them because it's in total darkness, pitch black darkness, darkness that cannot even see your hand in front of your face. There will be no visual in the lake of fire. There is in Hades, but there will not be in the lake of fire. Now, Jesus came out of nowhere. This guy that's saying that to them, no traditional school, no traditional attachments. He's just a common Jewish man among so many Jewish men. He had no money, no power club. He was not a member of some sort of club or power club. He had no influence or influential name dropping. He was not a poser. He couldn't say, well, my uncle's this guy and my, my friend is this guy. He wasn't a poser. He did not look like a leader. Now, there is such a thing as look like a leader. There is such a thing as look like a leader. Brother Boucher, which was with me for 20 years, he looks like a leader. He has the broad shoulders. He's taller than I am. He's just, he used to be thin. <laughs> and he, he just has the look, the walk, the talk of a leader. Amen? Me? I'm junkyard dog. There's a lot of difference between a thoroughbred and them shows. They have them dog shows. I don't qualify for none of them dog shows. I go to the junkyard dog that's outside. That was Jesus, by the way. He was not attractive. I'm going to really bust your bubble. He was not attractive. He, had, he did not have visual appealing. He was not appealing visually. Uh, he very possibly looked very rough. He was bearded. We know that. He was coarse. He was a coarse-featured Jew, and coarse feature is not a compliment. He was used to hard carpentry work. He had calloused hands, dirty fingernails. He had half-inch calluses on his feet. Where do I get this? Isaiah fifty-three. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow before us as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor come in us. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. How much beauty? No. No beauty. Pretty straightforward. Jesus was a commoner from a small Ugly little town called Nazareth. The town had a bad reputation. Everybody knew it. He had no wealth. He had no position. His dad very likely was already dead. He was being raised by his mother. At age 30, he went to John the Baptist and became public in his ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist had spiritual eyes. When he looked at him standing on the side of the river, he said, 129, 
of John. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. They didn't get it. He didn't look like it. He probably didn't even talk like it, and his voice probably didn't sound like it. I think that's why the disciples who walked with him every day for about three, three and a half years kept asking him, what manner of man is this? Who is this? I'm like wanting to get, to, I'm wanting to get in their face and go, like, you guys don't know who this is yet? We have the book. They didn't. Jesus didn't have a thing to his name, not a thing. People today respect people that make money and are, and are money makers and, and, and wealth possessors. Not him. Jesus said in 820 8, of Matthew, he said, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to even lay, if I, I'm adding the word even, to lay his head. Not even a place to lay down. I would bet every one of you in this room have a place to lay down tonight. Do you have a place to lay down tonight? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand again, but I don't want to get too much participation, you know. The common people, however, followed him. The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse 37, it says, Then the common people heard him gladly. The common people heard him. The Pharisees despised him. The Sadducees hated him. The scribes and the lawyers hated him. And they tried, after they figured out that he wasn't going to side in with them and wasn't going to help them, that he was trying to drain the swamp. What did they do? They tried to impeach him. They tried to kill him. Well, that's the most extreme form of impeachment. They tried to kill him. The Bible says right about in the middle of John, from that point forward, they decided they, they counseled together on how they should kill Jesus. That's what that group always does. The religious elite hated him for the most part. He was not one of them. He was outside of their circle, outside of their educational institutions. As far as I know, had no formal education. He was repelling to them. He was challenging to them. He was threatening to them. He was scary to them. He was insulting to them. They simply hated him. He challenged their leadership of the people, not by opposing their authority, but by exposing them. Does this sound familiar? He told the people to obey them. Look at the verse, Matthew chapter 23. And boy, Matthew chapter 23, I'm going to do a quick survey of the chapter. Matthew 23, 2 and 3. Saying Jesus' words, scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they got the authority of Moses. The governmental authority. All therefore, whosoever, whatever, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. I love, even in the day we live, people uh, saying and not doing, you know. Jesus was not a rebel against authority. There's people out there that the Jesus movement back in the early 70s was like a rebel against authority. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, there is no power but of God. The power that it, it, there is no power but of God. The power that be is ordained of God. 
And that we're supposed to obey, the first seven verses there say, we're supposed to obey the power. Actually fear the power. Because they do not bear the sword in vain. They're going to whoop on you if you disobey them. Because I'm the one that put them there. That's what God's telling these people. Even bad power is better than no power. He's not justifying their behavior. He's just saying they got the power, and I'm the one who gave them the power. Listen to them and obey the power, or they're going to tear you up. So, Jesus was not trying to overthrow the government. But he was against their sins. In Matthew chapter 23, is the strongest sermon, the most scathing, old-fashioned, hell-fire, damnation, window-rattling, shingle-pulling sermon you'll ever find anywhere in the Bible? It's Matthew 23. Preached by who? The gentle, tender, loving Son of God. Except when it came to the Pharisees. And so he starts preaching, and I went down through there, and there's eight things I want to bring up that he points out about them that are, are not right. He says, first of all, they say and do not. They say and do not. What's that mean? They're hypocrites. People that say and do not are hypocrites. It's like the old man with his son. You know, he's got his boy, and he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And this was in the 60s. I'm going back to the 60s for you that want to take a little ride with me. We're going back to the 60s when marijuana came out. The Amish where I grew up grew marijuana as a plant and as a crop because they made hemp rope out of it. So we really love the Amish because they had all these marijuana plants growing all over. I know it's pronounced marijuana. And so young kids wanting to smoke marijuana, we'd run out under their apple trees, and these marijuana plants would be seven, eight feet tall. And they said, oh, you can have them. Well, I shouldn't have got off on that illustration. I should. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. And God said I shouldn't have because he just blanked me out. I mean, I don't even know what room I'm in. I'm back. As I pronounce to you, they say and do not. That was their first problem. I got it. I got it. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something you're not. It is one of the number one most disdained sins of God. If you just want to get where God just can't stand to even look at you, it'll be because you're a hypocrite. Now, hypocrisy is so bad because it has to do with deceit. It's one thing going out there and smoking a joint. It's a whole other thing pretending to be a preacher and smoking a joint. Oh, about the illustration of the man and his son. 
Okay, I'm good. He gave it back to me. The old man's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth saying, son. Son, don't you smoke them marijuana cigarettes. They're bad for you. And the kid goes, hypocrite. He don't do that. He gets whipped. But he thinks it. Hypocrisy, we can't have it. Don't do it. It'd be better not to swear than to swear and not do it. Don't, don't, don't pretend to be a Christian. Don't pretend to be righteous. Be righteous by the grace of God. Second thing he says in verse 4, they don't really care about people. It says they, they put burdens on people that are heavy and hard to handle and, and make their life harder rather than easier. A lot of laws, a lot of rules, a lot of things that are not Bible that they try to get people and they put them under these commands. They had, they had a bunch of them about washing and doing all these stuff. And, and they bound people. That's what the word religion means. It means to bind. We're not a religion. Christ will set you free. Fifth verse, he says they're proud. He says everything they do, they do to be seen a man. In verse 13, they stop people from going to heaven. They shut up the kingdom of heaven, they said. How do they stop people from going to heaven? By all the above. When people, What's the biggest reason that we have empty seats in here this morning? Is because there's been people out there that began to come to God and they, they knew a deacon or they knew a, a trustee or they knew a, a, a church member and, or a, and that was, they were doing business with him. And, and he said, if you pay me cash, it'll be cheaper. And they go, well, I thought he was a Christian. You mean he's not going to pay the government their fair due when the Bible says? Some of these, old, some of these unsaved know the Bible better than you do. Certain parts of it. That render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. That's a famous statement. And we're supposed to pay tribute to whom tribute is due. Romans 13, 1 through 7 again. That's verse 7 actually. And so they see that. And what that does is they got somebody that's beginning to come to seek Jesus and they see one of his representatives being a hypocrite or being a crook or being part of what they, what they want to be. And it shuts them down and offends them against God and they, don't, and they don't go any further. And they say, them Baptists are a bunch of hypocrites. All them Baptists care about is money. All these people, Christians, they ain't not a real deal. And, it, and they die and go to hell. And answer for their sins. When they could have asked Jesus to save them. And been justified in the sight of God. I'm not going to go to hell because of some hypocrite. I'm not going to give up on Jesus because somebody that says they know him, aren't, they aren't acting right. Years ago when I was a young man, I, I made a decision. It was one a good decision. I said no matter what people do around me, if the preacher or the deacons or even my mom and dad, or my brother, or I don't have a sister. I mean, what if, if no matter what they act like, and no matter what they do, Jesus never did that. And I'm going to trust Jesus. And I'm not going to let them sour me off the things of God because they just don't 
have the heart to do that or the heart to, to follow God. I'm not going to let that happen. So far, so good. Trust me, I've had some people try to get me off of the things of God. But Jesus never failed me. In fact, Jesus never failed. And he won't fail you. That's how they shut up the kingdom of heaven. Number five, they're, they're greedy. It's all about the money. They devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. What they do is they get around people with money and they, they, they schmooze. You know what the word schmooze is? They schmooze around them. And, and they, they try to get them to, to give them money and to, and, and to, and to give. And, and I tell you what, people come to me oftentimes and say, I want to do this or want to do that. And I say, the first responsibility you have is your family. Give it to your family. The Bible says a righteous man layeth up for his children's children. If you've got family you want to give it to, give it to them. If you want to give it to the church, understand that we're not begging you to do it. You get to do it. It's for Jesus. But we're not asking you to do it unless God moves you to do it. God forbid that we'd be doing that. That's what the Pharisees did. Now, verse 14, read it. Verse 16 through 22, they have a false, twisted teaching. That's a pretty big section. They take the Word of God and they twist it. And they use it for their advantage. Number 7, verse 23, they care about little small things, but they miss the big things. He says, you've paid attention to the small things of the law, but you forgot the weightier matters. How about like honesty? How about like integrity? How about stuff like that? You've cared about these little, how to wash your hands before you eat. Oh, or you didn't pray before you ate. What kind of Christian are you? I'm faithful to my wife. People will probably condemn you for not praying before you eat. Maybe out, maybe out committing adultery or fornication or doing some wicked thing. And they're popping you on a small little thing about forgetting to pray. How many of you have ever forgot to pray? Don't raise your hand. I have. I'll be honest with you. I've been out with Chris and company once in a while, and, 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 and you know, my mouth will be full, and he's, he's a kind man. He says, do you want to pray? <laughs> no, I don't. You go ahead and play. You, you play. Oh, he loves that. He loves that. Okay. <sighs> I knew all that and still voted for him. Oh, I that. Pray for Heather. Verse 25, 28. The last thing he condemned them with, eight things. He said they look clean and polished, but they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Verse 25, 28. The outside of the cup's clean, the sepulcher, like a whitest sepulcher, is all cleaned up, looking nice. They all got a real good look about them. But the truth is, they're full of dead men's bones. They're corrupt. Corrupt. Yet, if I may say this, these Pharisees and scribes were assured in themselves and planning on going to heaven. They believed they would be first in line to go to heaven above those common people, above all them 
country people, above them people with the dirty fingernails and the, and the, and the calluses and the lack of education and that they couldn't spell and that they couldn't pronounce things correctly and they didn't know big words and they didn't have all that stuff. Why, we got all that. We're going to heaven. Jesus said, no. No. They thought they were God's representatives. They thought they had the very keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said to the common folks listening to him, accept your righteousness. Exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. In no case are you going to enter into heaven. So I ask you a question. I pose a question to you. How do you get and what is this exceeding righteousness that he's talking about? Well, it's my wonderful obligation to tell you. Romans chapter 3, verse, verse 20 to 28, if you want to read a letter, he says later, he says in verse 22, even the righteousness of, well, let me read. But now is the righteousness of God without the law manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ upon all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Glory to God. If I simply put my childlike, commoner, junkyard dog faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who came, who was crucified, who was buried, and who rose again from the dead visibly, physically, and... Uh, uh, and and went back to heaven in the ascension, now is on the right hand of the Father. If I believe in Him as my Savior and as the Savior, the Bible says I'm justified from all things of which the law of Moses could not justify me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whew. Verse 24 says, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our righteousness will exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes because it is not our righteousness. It is His righteousness that is imputed, big word, imputed to us. That means put on our account. How? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shall be saved. People say, what's saved? Saved from hell, saved from judge, being having to pay for your own sin, and being given the righteousness of Christ. In Romans 4, 5, it says, But him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of a man in whom God imputeth uh, righteousness without works saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'm justified. 
justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. I don't know the rest of the song, but I like that part. Oh, man. We sing songs here at the gospel that are spirit-written about the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing but the blood, and, and just beautiful songs of Zion that God the Holy Spirit wrote and church adopted as theirs. And, and, and we sing them because we sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free. His eyes on the sparrow. And I know He watches over me. You're justified as a born-again Christian. Well, I could never exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees or Sadducees. But as I read Matthew 23 and see the eight things Jesus condemns them on, I think to myself, I don't think they were very righteous. And that's what God's telling us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you try to come up against God's righteousness, and that's who we're compared with, you're not going to be compared with Brother Gillespie. You're not going to be compared with Brother Fransky when you go to stand before Jesus. You're not going to be prepared with Vito. You're not going to be prepared with all these front row guys. You're not going to be prepared with tomorrow. You're not going to be prepared with Irvine. You're not going to be prepared with compared to CW. You may fare pretty well being compared to them. But you're going to be compared with, to Jesus. And you're not going to make it. James said, 2.10, he that offendeth law in one point is guilty of what? All. You're going to be condemned by the very law of God as a sinner. Now, if this morning you believe you're a sinner unable to save yourself many good works, you're in a great position to be saved. You're in a great position to get the exceeding righteousness of Jesus Christ who will exceed any righteousness that you could ever try to do. I like Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting and ordinances that were against us, which are contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Nailing it to the cross. <sighs> We're redeemed today. If you know Jesus, you're redeemed by His blood. Don't go out of here depressed. If you're a born-again believer, you're justified. And your righteousness, because it's not yours but Christ, exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it seems fuzzy and strange, come to us. Let us help you. We'll explain it better. We'll be more, we'll, we'll slow down. We'll tell you about Jesus, how to be saved. You don't, you let a hypocrite, a counterfeit send you to hell. Don't you do it. My wife was a banker for 44 years, and I still don't have any money. Because she's embezzled from me all those years. I never could be trusted with her, so she never told me I had it. I'm probably a multimillionaire. But if she told me, I'd spend it and then we'd be poor again. 
But she used to, well, I got paid one time for, and I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. I sold something, and I got, a guy came with three dollars $100 bills, $3,000. I hate cash. And gave me this, took this wad out of his pocket, his country boy. Got this big old wad, took that big old wad of cash out of his pocket. Opened that thing up, and I go, oh, not cash. My wife was there. I took the wad, as all my money, this is the way all the money I ever made goes, and I give it to her. And she goes, it's good. A banker can feel it. Once in a while, she'd take one and go like this. If they can't feel it, they can see it. They counterfeit. Amen? You don't think you're going to deceive God. You're not going to deceive God. If you try to get saved by your good works, you're going to miserably fail. And He's going to declare you a counterfeit. Why don't you come to Jesus and ask Him to save you and give you that gift of eternal life through Him. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, help us. In the if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.